I love the activity of sound. Ears have ears with Brooke Olsen. Unexplored territories in sound. the Ears Have Ears FBI Radio Experimental Music Podcast. My name is Brooke Olsen and in this edition we'll hear an original piece performed by Sydney's Alaska Orchestra and inspired by a shape called the Oloid. It's really cool because it's the only um, solid that where all the surface area touches the ground as it rolls along. That's Megan Alice Clune, musician, artist, composer and founder of Alaska Orchestra, describing the Oloid, a shape invented by mathematician Paul Schartz and the name of their Ears Have Ears soundtrack. I wanted to make this kind of drone piece based around three notes um, and you can hear those notes throughout the whole thing. So something about the constant of that was really nice. Alaska Orchestra grew out of the monthly experimental and new music nights started by Megan in 2013 at Alaska Projects, which is a gallery housed in an inner city car park in Sydney's King's Cross. Each month, a shifting collective of local experimental and contemporary classical musicians banded together to compose and perform each other's work between the parked cars and the concrete ramps. And in June 2016, Ears Have Ears invited them along to play in front of a studio audience for our monthly live performance series, which takes place on stage at FBI's Performance Hub located in the station's offices in Sydney. We'll start off by hearing Alaska Orchestra play live, and after the performance, you'll hear a fascinating interview with Megan Alice Clune about Australian contemporary classical music, cross-platform collaboration, and of course, the Oloid. Ably led by musician and teacher Rainbow Chan and introduced by myself.
Alaska Orchestra live on Ears Have Ears. Megan Alice Clune, Adam Gazowski and Hugh Deacon there and a piece which is called The Olo Id created exclusively for the program. We're going to have a Q&A now and we're going to hear an in-depth discussion between Alaska Orchestra's Megan Alice Clune and uh, also the Sydney multidisciplinary artist and mu musician and teacher Rainbow Chan who's just here and I'll give her the mic in a second. Rainbow Chan is originally from Hong Kong. She's an experimental pop producer, regular collaborator with Alaska Orchestra and a pop singer. Maybe familiar with her if you're a regular listener of FBI. She teaches contemporary music practice and also casually lectures at the University of Sydney. So she's busy on kind of both sides of the, the music spectrum. And she won FBI Radio's Northern Lights competition in 2011 as a musician and uh, giving her the chance to play at Iceland Airwaves Festival. And she's since spoken at FBI's Music Open Day, the Electronic Music Conference, and has contributed to FBI Radio's arts program, Canvas. So I'd like to welcome Rainbow onto the stage to kick off this Q&A with Meg. Thanks, Brooke. <laughs> Hello. 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 So uh, for those joining us, um, now, I guess your piece was taken, um, takes its title from the Oloid shape, discovered in 1929. The patent for this shape defines it as a device to generate a tumbling motion. So I recommend you going onto YouTube and like <laughs> looking at a video of it moving because when it's like on an inclined surface, it just keeps rolling upon itself, right? Yep. So in your piece, you've used various techniques to represent these pulsating rhythms. So can you tell us a bit more about the shape and the process of translating it into a sound? Yeah, I discovered it on one of those weird um, YouTube wormholes that I think we've all been guilty of in the mm. past. Mm. Um, yeah, Brooke was really encouraging us to make a um, soundtrack with a theme. And so I was trying to find ideas and um, I was uh, looking at the website of Taba Albach, who's a really beautiful um, artist from New York, and she's really interested in this shape. And so I watched all these YouTube clips. <laughs> and um, I was also really interested in how it was discovered. Um, it was Paul Schatz was looking at the sky and he was looking at the st at stars and he invented this thing called the invertible cube and the motion that that invertible cube made inspired the Oloid as a kinetic mixer. Um, and then there are a few more steps along the way, but you know, we can forget about them. Streamline, streamline. <laughs> Live video, um, guys. And it, yeah, it's really cool because it's the only um, solid that where all the surface area touches the ground as it rolls along. And I was thinking this is really interesting because um, I wanted to make this kind of drone piece. Um, and in terms of texture, there are only, it's really based around three notes. Um, and you can hear those notes throughout the whole thing. Um, the texture changes and the um, instrumentation changes really subtly, but those notes are there the whole time. And similarly, you can hear Hugh and Adam and I in playing those notes with various effects and it changes a little bit, but they're always there. So it's something about the constant of that was really nice. Mm, yeah, I really yeah. liked how like certain tone colors every now and then would pop out, but then slowly kind of fade away again. So it had, I really could hear that kind of ebbing and flowing 
in the sound. Yeah. Um, it's very cosmic, isn't it? Yeah. Like the stars and... I'm really into that. <laughs> I, I checked out your playlist on the thousands. It's Thanks. a bit of new age in there. Would you say Love you're a bit it. of a cosmic person? Oh, totally. Yeah, I'm all about it. I do a lot of yoga, so I'm pretty into the oh, mysticism and... Impressive. Yeah. I can't even do the downward dog, and that's meant to be the rela- <laughs> that's meant to be the relaxing pose. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. All right. Um, so, tell me a bit about your background. So, your practice is quite fluid. Um, you're a musician, you're a composer, you're an artist, and a writer. You have a background in classical music, uh, studying the clarinet at VCA, and you've curated Musical Alaska since 2012. And you've also published your own magazine, Worlds Only, which uh, we did a little collab on at one point. Um, more recently, you've moved into sound installation and collaborative works in gallery contexts. Mm. What have you enjoyed most about the way in which your practice has evolved? And are there particular highlights or lowlights that come to mind? Oh, there are so many. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I mean, I, I was thinking about this and um, I think it's all been ways of looking at the same thing just from different perspectives. And it all really started with a magazine um, when I just graduated and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was really sad on becoming an orchestral musician at that point um, but it was like really difficult I was auditioning like trying to do auditions and practice loads and um, wasn't finding that like completely fulfilling so I w- just wanted to talk to people and connect with other musicians who are maybe a bit older and more experienced to find out how how to be a creative person or to be a musician mm. um, and then through the magazine I started doing the um, musical Alaska series and that again enabled me to meet a lot more people um, and it was really eye-opening like working outside of the classical music um, world and it was really cool seeing how fluid like different artistic practices are mm. um, like friends who had studied painting but started working in performance and that kind of thing and it it like it definitely felt as a musician when I was studying that that was like the one thing that was my one role and I couldn't really do anything else Mm. um so through all of those things it's sort of been nice to feel like you can spread your wings a bit and um try different things um yeah so it's all kind of been about music even the installation work which has been in a gallery context trying to dissect different um, elements of music and sure, kind of pull yeah. it apart. And, yeah, so it's been great. And I have to say, uh, Musical Alaska with Rainbow Chan was probably the best one. Oh, <laughs> it's my thanks. Highlight. It's been it paying my you. Highlight. It's been paying you, haven't she? <laughs> yeah, it's good fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it too, so uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so do you feel like that, like, your recent improvisation works and kind of maybe looking at music from the periphery and not always choosing it as the focus. It's kind of like a rebellion against classical music. I feel like a lot of yeah. classical musicians go through this stage where they're just like, ah, I can't deal with this. I don't want to just play notes on a page. Um, would you say there's an element of that? Yeah, it's like the quietest rebellion I think you could make. <laughs> <laughs> would you ever um, just like do a performance piece where you just snap your clarinet off? <laughs> you know, it's a gesture. Yeah, it'd be really <laughs> punk. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, like, I, I totally think it is. Um, I think there's like I definitely have a lot of frustrations, particularly with like contemporary classical music. Um, like a lot of the things that are asked of you as a musician are like sometimes like by the composer a little bit r- ridiculous and such I as think, give us the. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just, um, I'm not going to name names, but <laughs> I saw my friend um, who's an amazing contemporary vocalist perform a few months ago and she was playing a piece by a very well-renowned male German composer, very serious, like Darmstadt mm. style. And there was a moment in it where she had to make the sound like, um, you know when you, like, it was that oh, yeah, it's kind of hollow like mouth sound. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but in essence, she was slapping herself in the face and I was like, no one thinking about what this looks like like this man is asking this woman to slap herself in the face yes. in the name of music <laughs> i was like this is not cool terrible yeah not good no. so um yeah i guess it definitely moving into more improvised music has um been like a really big release for me and um enabled me to kind of take a bit more control over my output i guess i don't know more control you'd say more or yeah like, well but in like, letting go yeah right yeah. okay because i was gonna say like surely because you work with, um more recently with verbal based scores and semi-improvised works where you give instructions and then leave a lot of it open to interpretation by the performer or yeah, audience yeah. participant member so you must have an element of trust in the performers um yeah. how do you feel yeah, relinquishing that control and has there anyone uh, has there been anyone that did something wrong no, no one's. <laughs> there've been no mistakes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it is quite quite scary. I think, um, and that idea of letting go of control. Um, but I think it's like in a lot of ways, as a composer, I find that a much more enjoyable thing to do to be able to give someone um, agency to really express themselves and do what they do what they want to do. Um, it's really good. Like you don't often get that in life, not only in music, but. Mm. Um, so being able to give that is a really cool thing. I think. Yeah. Sure, yeah, that's great. Nerve-wracking, a little bit. Especially <laughs> when it's my name that's like associated with it. I don't know, the ego gets a little bit caught up. But yeah. uh, um, I think it's, it's a really good thing to be able to let go of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, can you tell me a bit about the work you did with Agatha Goth Snape? Yeah, so that was like a pretty perfect example of that. Mm. Um, it was it was such a cool work. Um, Agatha was commissioned by Performer Fifteen in New York. It's a big um, performance art biennial um, to make a work, and um, she brought me on board as the composer. Um, and she, like so many of us in Australia, was really obsessed with um, a lot of the big um, figures in contemporary art sort of the generation before us. Um, and she was particularly inspired and maybe a little bit obsessed with um, Lawrence Wiener. And he'd been a big influence on her work. And he does those um, big te text-based works. Um, and so she was watching a lot of YouTube. Where it all <laughs> starts. <laughs> yeah. um, and she was watching a lot of interviews with him. And he, um, despite his work being very cerebral and um, as far removed from the hand as you could be. He has this amazing presence and he has these amazing hands, like huge fingers. And he's like, it's quite a godlike presence. He just takes up a lot of space and mm. it's quite mesmerizing. And um, so her idea was to turn the gestures of Lawrence Wiener into uh, music, which would be sung by a choir. Um, so together we made um, a set of instructions to be interpreted by the choir. Um, and also made a teaching module that, to teach that um, and to be kind of embodied by the choir. Um, and it was performed in November last year. And Joan LaBarbera was also involved, which was really amazing. 
That's cool. Yeah, it was great. What were some of the um, teaching or instructions that you um, did with Adam and Hugh for today's piece? <laughs> well, they were pretty subtle. I don't know if you could. <laughs> Um, I think like we did a few exercises like just um, trying to do one like the problem we did a lot of very free improvisations and a lot of the problems that we kind of fell into were just doing too many things mm -hmm. and moving too quickly between them um, so I guess that like we just worked on setting up um, time limitations and having like trying to just do one thing or two things moving slowly between them and really limiting the like harmonic um, material that we would be working with and melodic. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So well, it's pretty loose structure. Yeah. But more of a focus on slowing down of time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that actually leads into my next question, um, which is, you know, you, you've influenced by a lot of avant-garde music um, from the late 60s, like yeah. John Cage, Lamont Young. Um, and I feel like a lot of those artists play with the notion of time and the present, you know, through chance operations or um, repeating something over and over again so it has a trance-like state. So what excites you about the relationship between music and time and space? I think it's, it's really fascinating. Um, I think a lot of this also comes back to my training as well. Like practising, you often... Um, doing long notes for like half an hour where you're really listening to the really minute details within the note. Um, so I think that kind of piqued my interest. And then also like um, in learning the notes to stuff, you repeat small phrases of things over and over again. Um, uh, and I think that's kind of how I ended up getting drawn into this, um, this music. Um, I just think it's also just so important in this day and age where we're like tied to our phones and our computers and our emails and I think it's really important to um, experience something that what, to not be bound by time in the same way and to sort of have, feel a release from that and for me personally listening to this music gives me that sensation so I hope that that is sort of portrayed in yeah. what we're playing as well. I certainly yeah. felt very relaxed after a stressful day at work after hearing your soundtrack. <laughs> I believe that, was that the last question? One more? Yeah, okay. So um, I'm interested in the work that you did for Underbelly last yeah. year, which was called The Closest Thing to Your Body. And um, you state that the work explores the physicality of sound and its communication with the body, a distillation of the most essential aspects of club music throughout history. That's a pretty big call. Yeah. So <laughs> how did you do that? And what, can you explain to me, like, what motivated you to do that? And how much does dance influence your work? I've worked with um, Angela Goh a lot, who's a fantastic contemporary dancer. And, um, yeah, I, I guess I, I just really love dancing as well. And I think it's such a joyful thing. And you, together, it brings people together and you're listening to music and... Um, I just found it so fascinating watching like my friends who are electronic musicians um, sort of interact with their audience mm -hmm. and it's a very like it's a much more direct sort of feedback to what I was I'm used to performing in um, so yeah I just kind of wanted to make this work that was like kind of enjoyable a little bit provocative um, and it ended up just like the distillation went like 
really very stretched back <laughs> and it was it's just, just a, a kick, kick drum. drum yeah and we had some lights and stuff um it was actually so funny um because it, it was so minimal but there's something like I don't know how I did it but it ended up getting pretty primal and like <laughs> we had there was this um like night for teenagers like a special um event um Amazing. and they like the teenagers went crazy in the and they were like pulling stuff and they like kind of broke it a little bit and they just had like a massive party in there and I was like that's the ultimate goal really yeah. I mean if you can actually induce a heaving mass of teenage bodies I just think you've made it drum. as a composer right I know so, yeah. <laughs> I was like thanks guys <laughs> um yeah so it was really fun yeah. amazing cool um well I think that wraps up our Q&A thanks for um listening in and thanks, thank you Meg Brooke. and thank you Years have years. Thanks, Brooke. Thanks, Scarlett. Thanks, our audience. <laughs> and also, and also a huge thanks, of course, to Megan Alice Plune and Rainbow Chan for that really great Q and A. That was Alaska Orchestra. Megan Alice Plune, Adam Gazowski, and Hugh Deacon, alongside Rainbow Chan live on the FBI radio stage in the performance broadcast space for Ears Have Ears Live and recorded in June 2016. Huge thank you to everyone who was involved. Megan, Adam and Hugh, FBI Radio, Scarlett DeMaio, the Ears Have Ears executive producer, Sam Ecott, our program's digital producer, our crew, Del Lamenta, Harvey O'Sullivan, Michael Thompson, the Community Broadcasting Foundation and you, of course, for listening. You can check out Meg's projects at meganalicecloon.com. You can find Alaska Orchestra's music on Bandcamp. And, of course, find out more about Rainbow Chan's music projects under her own name and also as Chan Yin on Bandcamp or SoundCloud. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe on iTunes for new editions of the Ears Have Ears podcast. And while you're waiting, you can also listen back to our radio program Thursday nights, 9 to 11pm on FBI Radio 94.5 FM in Sydney or head to fbiradio.com to restream the program in your own time. Catch us on the next podcast and until then, stay curious and keep your ears to the radio. Radio.